welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't God amazing? He's just so wonderful. You know, I believe in the, uh, the Sundays of this new year through January, God has been bringing us words that he really wants us to hear. Perhaps the scriptures are familiar, maybe they're not to you. But for me, there is a freshness upon them. One of the things that, that I hear again and again from church leaders in this nation, and indeed other nations, to be honest, is that, you know, well, put it this way. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those that love him. And through this pandemic and through this lockdown, God is going to work good in his church. And the good that he's working is what I see is there is such a challenge in all of us to either give up or get in. You know, in the sense of get into the word of God and really draw upon it. Um, Because if we don't, we won't be sustained in our faith in this time. We we need times like this, sadly, to, it's for us to know that our faith is genuine. And if you're like me, there's been times of which you've probably, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. But you're still here watching today. You know, and it's that heart that is what God is after. Um, we've had messages from uh, Shona. We've had messages from Michelle. We had a great message last week from Brian Blacklock, One of the, just a fundamental message of how we need to be as Christians and so easily can fall to one side. Now, I know that there are some people that are working harder than ever, but for others, you're not, we're not busy, you know? And we always said, well, I would spend more time with the Lord if I wasn't so busy. We're not so busy. Or at least some are not so busy. This is one of those seasons for making sure that happens. And rather than seeing more box sets, maybe open the box that is the treasure of God and and study his word. But yeah, we've had these messages. um, And and then I believe, you know, the, the messages that God gave me as well are really fundamental to what God wants to do us in this year. And actually, I can see 2021 being something of a watershed year, you know? It's a year that will change the rest of our lives. Not because of some huge conference that we went to. I'm not decrying conferences, they're amazing. Not because of some amazing worship uh, event that we went to, but because we as individuals walked with God. You know, he says... Come away with me is, a, is, is from Song of Songs. And he genuinely wants us to walk with him. It's a walk that's personal and it's a walk that's community. You can't walk only with God and not with the people that God has placed around you or you don't really understand God. But it's, So it's important to listen to what he's saying to us even in this time because we will come out of this time equipped and trained by God for what is next. 
And what is next is he's wanting his church to be repurposed, to be re-envisioned, to be in a completely different place than we were, say, in February last year, February 2020, just going into a normal time. And back in 2019, he told us we were going into this time. He told us that, that it would be unprecedented, that, that church would be different. We just didn't know it would be different in this way. It's not... These, when we say it's unprecedented, there's an element of that that's not true because the church has always and the world has been through these times. I was watching a film last night um, about Shakespeare and it was just something, I can't remember if it was in the film or something I read about, about it as I was reading about it afterwards and, it, and it, they just said, oh, the theatres are closed due to the plague. And you think, this isn't new. Humankind has always gone through things like this. We just like to think in our particular century, that we're a little bit more immune to these forces of nature and, and what is going on in the world, you know, because we've risen to this place of superiority where we can control everything, including the planet. You know, and, well, praise God for the, the, the vaccines that are coming through. Thank you, Jesus, that that is going to enable us to um, overcome you know, praise God for, for science and what God has done through that. You know, the, the original movement of science came through men believing that God was a God of order. And therefore, if God was a God of order and structure and law, you would be able to understand what it was. You would be able to, we would be able to understand creation. That was a huge part of the motivation of the scientists was this is understandable. Before that mindset, it was it isn't understandable. Only gods can understand that stuff or God can understand that. And there was an awareness that um, God is a God who is truth and who is life. So let's look into life. Let's look into creation and, and try and understand who God is. Science and religion are not at odds with each other. Looking at nature and religion, uh, by which I mean our faith in Christ, they're not at odds with one another. They are complementary. They walk together. And so we've had these, uh, there's been five words in January. And uh, what we would like to do is that next weekend, we will, instead of having the normal preach, we did this last October at the end of Deeper. We had a Sunday morning in which we did a Q&A. Do you remember? We had different people sitting at the front here from the leadership. And the idea is to have a more let's preach the word amongst ourselves kind of morning. So it would be really good if you take some time this week to think about, to think about what's happened, to think about what God has said to you. You might not necessarily have a question. You might just want to share uh, a story or something. And the way we'll make it work next Sunday is that you just uh, if you type questions and comments in the chat, we'll have that, that we can read it. Like I can look down here and see it now. Um, we're going to have that at our fingertips so that you can be bringing in questions that we, we can talk about. Um, it's not just that the, the team here is the, Q, is the A team and that's the Q team, the question team and the answer team. Uh, we will be able to ask questions of you guys as well, and we can be answering questions, you know, our, bringing our own insight, our own understanding into the chat as well, bringing our own scriptures. You've probably noticed me quite a lot recently 
um, either here in the chat or other times saying, what is the word that you have got for now? I mean, it's, it's very similar to what Brian was saying last week. What one of the first things he always asks people in the one-to-ones, you know, and he's he's mentored some some uh, major leaders in our in our nation, and uh, you know, but that's still one of his basic questions: is what word have you got from God? What is it that God is talking to you about right now? And if we our response is I don't know, we're missing something precious. We're missing something in our walk of God because God never stops talking. My sheep hear my voice. Sometimes people say to me, I don't hear from God. And often the main reason they don't hear from God is that they never read the Bible. This is the prime way God is going to speak to you. This is it. This, it's called the Word. You know, and this is the prime way God is going to speak to you. Now, as He gives you Scripture, then with the spirit of revelation... That, that scripture can come alive and God begins to say things to you. And as that happens, that's when we, we actually we need to share with one another. Because as we hear the word of God together and we talk to one another, we get the true message of what the Holy Spirit is saying because God chooses to work through his body, not just rise up superstars. We're not, none of us have got the exclusive word of God. Now, Part of my prime calling as the senior leader of Kingdom Faith Yorkshire is to be hearing God with the vision that we are passionate about and that we are running about, running with. But we are all responsible to hear what God is saying within the context of that vision and refining that vision and understanding that vision. If you look in Acts at what the apostles did when they were listening to the word of God together, they didn't just say, well, Paul, what's the word of God? Bang, that's it. Paul the Apostle, I mean, they, they were together and they would discuss and they would pray about and sometimes argue, you know, even the apostles, because that's how God is. He doesn't want even Paul the Apostle to be a pure superstar who's the only person that's hearing his word. He had all the others as well. And yes, there's a particular responsibility upon leadership. It's why we're held doubly accountable and why we should be held doubly in honour is we are particularly responsible for, for hearing that and carrying it out. But actually, it's a responsibility of the body. And that's why Brian's question is so, so important. What is the word you have from God? So when we do a Q&A, it's kind of like an opportunity for all of us to contribute and bring something. You know, it's, um, it's actually a benefit. You know, let's, there's lots of things we don't like about being online. Uh, but one of the benefits can actually be this interactivity within the service. Now, I don't just mean the preacher or, the, or, or, or me responding to what you're saying right now, although obviously I can see it. Uh, it there'll be the delay because of the, the, the link. But what's really important in the live chat is that people are talking to one another. Now, I don't mean getting carried away during the worship in the conversation. I don't mean that at all. But I mean, you know, we're praising God or bringing this scripture. This, this is what God's given to me. And then as we bring these things together, God refines them. And as we move and learn how to operate even more as teams together, whether it's team leadership or a, a, a team of people that are you know, doing something in God together. I think we're going to get better and better and better at learning that when we turn up at the meeting, you know, we've got something in part that will be enhanced, that will be 
that will bring greater revelation as we talk to one another. You know, it's our responsibility not to be silent in those things, but to bring something. But to bring it with a heart of humility. Because if, if we are going to hear things together, and we're only hearing in part, that means what we think is not going to be acted upon exactly as we first thought. And this is an important point of maturity as we learn to walk together, because an immature understanding of this is, I've heard from God, therefore this must happen. And if you say something that is different, or you, know, you want to talk about what I've heard from God, that means you're saying to me, you haven't heard from God, or you didn't hear it correct. And that's not it at all. It's actually saying, we hear God together. And we should never expect everything to be exactly the same. And that's the word for us in leadership as well, that even as you know, we've got something from God, when we share it with the team, it will be refined, it will be changed. God will have something to say that we missed because he doesn't want superstar leaders. Not even, let's take the little builders team, for example. You, 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 know, you don't want one person in that team that's a superstar that just dictates everything from God to the rest of the team. Yes, there may be a person who is particularly carrying the vision, but there will also be a team of people that are hearing God together. We just have to have, have the humility to know that quite often it won't look like we first thought it was going to be. Uh, sometimes our ideas... You know, the ideal meeting when you're listening for God together, um, it looks a bit like a brainstorming session. And the most effective brainstorming sessions are where people can just say stuff. And you know that you're going to discard probably most of what was said. Why do you want that? Because you want the freedom for people to share something that's a little bit out of the ballpark, that's a little bit unusual, that's a little bit different knowing that it's okay, because if it is completely weird, it will be tossed out, but nobody's going to laugh at them for being completely weird, because that you want people to be able to say stuff. But we need to be able to trust one another when, pe when, when someone does say, or when the group together says, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's what, what God has got for us now, that we don't get hurt or offended or upset because they, oh, they think I can't hear from God. It's not that at all. It's how God wants us to learn. How do we learn humility? How do we learn to work with one another? I've, I've known God speak to me, and I've brought what I felt 100% is God, and, it, and, and it's born through that that's not what's going to happen. And, you know, I used to think, oh, I got it wrong. And God said, no, actually, you heard me. I wanted you to learn humility and to prefer others. How about that? How about you heard exactly? And it changes because God wants to work in all our hearts to accept and prefer others in certain situations. We've got to be wise. It's not just about giving in to people. I'm not saying that at all. That's why the apostles ended up arguing after all. So, Q&A next week. The one that we had in, uh, uh, on a Sunday after Deeper was, was really good. Um, it, it can be a really effective time. and uh, So we'll have a group of people up here, but it'll only work really, really well, of course, if we're all participating. So, you know, maybe go back and listen to some of the talks through January 
this year and, and bring something. And I think it's not just, oh, well, let's have a Q&A. It's also part of us learning to be church and learning to share with one another and learning to appreciate one another. The, the, the fact is that we're a big group of people. So there's going to be some radically different points of view within that group. That's just reality of people. Even when we all live in one town, we've all, and we're all Christians perhaps, we're still going to have this different perspective and different understandings, and that's glorious. Our one mind is in Christ. So we can walk together and be of one mind, but sometimes we don't have the same opinion, the same understanding, and we pray for God to show us the way through that. We need that maturity in the world again, a culture of we can work with people who think differently and have different understandings because we're all people. Just because someone disagrees with us or has a different um, Christian understanding or a different political understanding doesn't mean they're stupid and it doesn't mean they're our enemy. And that's so important for, for humanity and for moving forward. Now, this all fits, I think, very much into what God's saying to us. Uh, I'm going to go what might feel like a different direction for a minute, but hopefully bring it all together. I want to ask you a question, or perhaps more create a, a picture. Um, and I want you, just for a moment, uh, to imagine that you um, find yourself standing before God's throne. I mean, we all will one day, but let's just imagine that you have uh, an experience today where you're standing before God. And there's two questions. They're in the introduction on YouTube, if you've read that, so you've had a sneaky preview. But the two questions are, when you are there before God on his throne, what are you thinking and feeling but also, what is God thinking and feeling about you? Now, I, I expect that many of you watching know the correct answers to give because you, you do know your scriptures and you, you've heard many people talk on it, haven't you? But actually, there, it, there's, there's, it's a useful question to ask. If we're just in a moment of genuineness, we can spot what that first thought was that first reaction. And it's a useful one for understanding where we're at in our walk with God. I mean, do you see God smiling? Are you smiling? Is he pleased to see you? Are you pleased to see him? Will he hug you? How would you feel if he leapt off the throne and threw his arms around you? Just like the father did to the prodigal son. Is God a bit cross? Are you a bit cross? Is he angry? Is he disappointed? I'm not saying God is these things. I'm just saying, is that in your mind? Or are you very happy and relaxed, expectant? Or maybe you feel ashamed or afraid. And if we're truthful, many will know the correct answers. But at times, we, get, we, we, we might respond with some of the negative ones. In the passage we looked at last week, these are all going to link together, I promise. The Lord asked me, this is from the passage in Jeremiah 24, verse 3. Then the Lord asked me, that's, he's asking Jeremiah the prophet, 
What do you see, Jeremiah? Figs, I answered. The good ones are very good, but the poor ones are so bad they cannot be eaten. Now, when Jeremiah is talking about the bad figs and the poor figs, sorry, the good figs and the poor figs, or the bad figs, they were so bad, um, some will automatically start to categorize that they're either good figs or bad figs. And if you've had a bad week with God, or, or a bad month, or a bad year, you'll probably decide you must be a bad fig. And although we covered some of this last week, it's really important because it's emerged a little bit more this week, you know, that you can, you can, people can really identify, oh, I'm one of the poor ones. I want to say categorically at the beginning, anybody watching this, you're not. Okay, you're not. Who are the good figs? Let's have a look. This is what God said of the good figs. My eyes will watch over them for their good, and I will bring them back to the land. I will build them up. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. Notice the whole couple of verses there is God saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will. The good figs were good figs because God said they were good figs. It was actually nothing to do with who they were. In, in reality, for these guys, they were in Babylon. Now, Babylon is, is symbolic in the Bible of being in the world or being in sin or being in the wrong place. Jerusalem is, you know, the right place. It's God's chosen city. And yet the bad figs, God was saying, were those that were in Jerusalem. So it kind of, it didn't make sense. I mean, the king and all his officials were still in Jerusalem. So why were they bad figs? This was the king. How could the king be a bad fig? Well, maybe it was something to do with feeling entitled or superior to the ones that were in Babylon, to the ones that were in the world, to the ones that weren't doing very well because they weren't in Jerusalem. They weren't in the right place. You know, there was definitely going on in Jerusalem that time, a sense of, we've got it right because we're here in Jerusalem. We're here in the church. We're in the right place, so we're okay. There was very much a putting on a performance. The religious services were still happening. Now, we don't want to get our underwear tangled up over the word performance. As, as some do, you know, is worship performance or is it worship? Performance means to carry out. Now, when Ian McKellen was playing Gandalf, he was putting on a performance because he's not Gandalf. All right, he's Ian McKellen. He's completely different to Gandalf. I mean, you've got to get the Lord of the Rings references in there, haven't you? You know, just to prove my nerdship. But... Any actor is putting on a performance because they are being something that they are not. Okay, Or if you go and watch a play at the theatre, it's a performance. It can be brilliant and exciting and wonderful because in this sense, the word performance is being used as something that is put on to entertain. Now... Whether you, if you're being entertained in the worship, actually that's a responsibility for you personally. All right, if, if worship is just entertaining for you, 
well, you know, God bless you. There'll be many people, perhaps their first experience of, of, of worship is being entertained, whatever that is. But true worship is when you go beyond that peop- those people entertaining you because your heart responds to God and your heart begins to worship. And that can happen whether the worship team are just putting on a false performance or whether they're actually worshipping. For you, it can be performance or worship. Now, everything, to use this example of worship, I mean, you watched the guys earlier on YouTube, on TV, on your smartphone. They could be purely entertaining to you, whether you found it good or poor entertainment. I pray you found it good. I think they're amazing. But if it remains entertainment... It's not worship, because the key thing here is the last word of the previous good figs, heart. When the worship team, Jossie was leading today, let's pick on him, because he's right in my eye line, just behind your camera right now. Hi, Jossie. I can't see whether he's smiling or frowning, though, because he's got his mask on. But uh, his, his shoulders are jiggling slightly, so I think he's laughing or getting really angry, one or two. But, you know, was... Was Jossie putting on a performance? Yes, he was. No, he wasn't, is the actual answer. We've sometimes got paranoid about this word performance because we relate it to acting. But Jossie wasn't acting. He was carrying out. He was doing everything he could to convey his connection with God in worship so that we can connect with God in worship. But he was doing it. He was performing it. But what turned it into worship would have been what is in his heart. And we were having a conversation, Justin and I, before we started today, earlier on this this morning. And I said to Jossie something along the lines of, but I can see your heart in what you're saying. And that is what God looks at, the heart. Now, that can leave you feeling really bad because you think, well, my heart's not in a good place. But who gives you the heart? And I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. Even the heart is from God. This is why I can categorically say to you, those of you that believe and trust in the Lord Jesus are a good fig. You may choose to live like a poor one or a bad one. Everybody's free to do that. But actually, I will watch over them, says the Lord. I will bring them back to the land. I will build them up. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. They will be my people. I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. This heart thing is really, really important. But it's not something that you haven't got. It's not something that's impossible for you. You don't have a heart of stone. You do have a heart of flesh already to use something from the Old Testament, the way God is describing it. Because in Christ, you have that heart. You remember one of the scriptures we looked at was um, the one about Caleb after he'd been into the promised land. And all the leaders, Brian referred to this again last week as well, 10 of the 12 leaders that had gone into the promised land were like, we can't do this. 
But Caleb said, we certainly can because God has given it to us. It was the same thing. He understood that God had given it to them. We can't do what's set before us. It's impossible. Nobody in this room can do it. There's Ellis and Jared and John and Hannah and Kate. and They can't do it. Except in God. It's, it's the same for you and it's the same for me. I can do nothing apart from God. And that's why God said of Caleb then, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, there was something about the heart. Everything about who you are right now comes from him. You are saved. You're being saved. You will be saved. You, you are chosen. You are called. You are part of his body. You're part of this local congregation. And it's all him because God says, I will. And when we stumble and when we fall and when we, fall, you know, we, we feel like, I can't do this. This is too much. Or anxiety creeps up or fear creeps up or shame creeps in or all these things. Remember, God speaks over you, I will, because he is the I am. And when you can relax into the I will of God and the fact that he is the I am, it takes off that pressure to perform. Because yes, of course it's possible to be an actor in a worship team. And sometimes when we, we worship, we might actually almost begin, and, and this doesn't necessarily mean on stage, it can be wherever we are in our home. We can almost begin like an actor. You know, we can feel like our heart's not in it, so we make a choice. But the truth is your heart is in it. Because that's the heart of worship that God has actually given you. So when you choose to worship, despite how you're feeling at that moment, you're not thinking my heart's not right before God. Your heart is right before God. God has given you a good heart to him. And so you're making the decision to step into what God has given you. And what a beautiful freedom is that. There's not that struggle, or maybe I won't, won't be good enough this time. Or, yeah, worship. You can sit on your, at home in a comfy chair and worship God without saying a word. It's, it's not just about dancing and celebrating, though it is about that because that's in Scripture. It's, it's about adoration. It's about the heart being for God. You see, Christ speaks this over you. There's, there's some scripture here, and I noticed, interestingly, you know what I was saying about bringing a word from God, you know, sharing a scripture that you've got for this morning. Um, one of the scriptures Adrian shared is exactly the one I've got. Isn't that encouraging, how we're hearing God together? You know? Brilliant. Um, We'll get there, but this is Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. When we go through disconnection because we're not seeing one another or we're only seeing one another on Zoom or we're only hearing one another's voices or we actually aren't seeing one another at all and we're feeling disconnected, we can, we can transfer that disconnection to how we are with God. And now that's a very natural thing to do. You've heard me 
say again and again, we cannot, can't walk just with God if we're not connected to one another. So it's not surprising if we feel disconnected from friends, family, and the church, that we feel like we're being disconnected from God. But the truth is, you're not. You might feel like that in that moment, but because God speaks over you, I will, because you are a good fig, and because you have that capacity to be completely fruitful, because you're not in the rotten basket, you're actually near, because that's what the blood of Christ did. In fact, God is always close to us. It's just that we may not experience that in that moment usually because things are other things that are happening. But Jesus promises he will never lead us. He can feel distant, but he isn't distant. He's there all the time. Let's just have a quick look in Ephesians before we finish today. Ephesians chapter 2. This is Paul writing to the Christians in Ephesus, St. Paul. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We all came from there. We all belong to the people dead in sin and transgression. None of us are good enough. None of us can make it. But actually, there's a freedom in knowing that. It's, it's a freedom to know that we were dead in our sin, in our separation, therefore, from God. Now, even in that, we weren't as separate as we thought we were because God still loved us and still was doing everything to enable us to be reconnected with him. Let's read on. All of us also lived amongst them at one time. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, that's our flesh, and following the thoughts and desires. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. In other words, we deserve to be, because of the way we were, just living under the wrath of God. But God chose for us not to be there. He chose for us not to be bad figs, but good figs. And this, this message is for every single human being to be able to respond to God and say, God, thank you that you came for me, that you came after me, because it's true. So, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, you see, is God a wrathful God? Yes, he is, because he absolutely detests and hates sin. He hates sin. Look at the disruption and the death and the suffering and the misery sin causes. Of course he hates it. But people, he loves. But because of his great love for us, God said, I will over you because he loves you. I mean, yeah, you may have had a terrible week and you're already saved, but he loves you. And he wants you to not ignore how amazing it is what Jesus has done for you. It's outrageous, his love. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best word to use. But it is in a way. Because there is a, there's a definite sense of you can get away with so much. <laughs> you can't. 
But it feels like it because it's just outrageous. You know, you do that and God will forgive you. But you do need to think about your heart. But remember that the true heart that you have is the one God has given you, not just the way you feel. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in sin. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Your heart responded to God because God gifted you with the faith to respond to God. As he's gifted you with the faith to respond to God every single day of your life. And this is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, not by anything we do. Oh, I'm in the good figs basket this week because I had a quiet time. I, told some, I talked to somebody about Jesus. I read the Bible. Oh boy, did I have a good pray time. And you should have seen my worship. Whew! Was I hot in worship, baby? None of us ever said that, did they? But, but the point is, it's nothing to do with our performance. It's to do with what God has done. And it's to do with what's in the heart. But we don't need to worry about our hearts being corrupt and evil and, and, and everything else because God has given us a pure heart. We just need to learn to live in the benefits and the, and the reality of that. This is a heart that doesn't get afraid. This is a heart that isn't anxious. This is a heart that is at peace. And we have it. Because he says, I will give it to them. And it's a powerful realisation. You can just relax. You know, you don't think, oh, I missed the mark. You didn't miss the mark because of the blood of Jesus. I could have done that better. Oh, he's going to be so disappointed. God's not disappointed with you. He's just not like that. He doesn't hold that over you. That is why if you appear before God... God's just going to have a smile on his face and be totally pleased with you. He can't not be pleased with you because of the blood of Christ. Can we affect God emotionally? I'm pretty sure we can because we reflect God and so emotions affect God. So I guess there are things that distress the heart of God, but he's never disappointed He never stops loving us. He doesn't love us a little bit less because this week we got totally drunk. Should we get totally drunk? No. Why? Because it pulls us away from living what God has given us to live because it's not good for the temple, which is our bodies. Do you not know that God's Spirit, that your your body is a living temple of God and that His Holy Spirit lives in you? Do you not realize? Writes Paul in here. Awesome. Well, you can use that about excessive food or... Or, or, or taking drugs, it's, it's anything like that. It's the same thing. That's, it's just taking you away from the fullness of who you are. But the thing is, we've got these wonderful hearts. We've, we are God's masterpiece or workmanship or beautiful poem. 
And therefore, God has created good works for us to do in Christ. That's already out there. That's already there, that we can be completely fulfilled and completely live the four promises of what God has given us to. We're not going to fail because God gave us something too big. You know, and if we feel we have failed, God knew that was going to happen anyway. So, there's the, you know, he's just there ready to pick you up to move you on to the next part. It's not a failure. It's just a learning opportunity. It's just a chance to bring God more glory that we're all dependent on him. We're actually better when we know we can't do stuff. When we think we can do it, it's so easy to just do it. That's a performance. It's much better when we think we can't. I often, before preaching, think I can't. And I'm not just saying that to put something on. I really genuinely feel like that. Um, or, or, or I'm nervous, or I don't sleep so well on a Saturday night because there's that responsibility if I'm speaking on Sunday morning. Or actually, it happens even if I'm not speaking, just that sense of responsibility sometimes. You know, what if, what if it's not right? You know, I don't have to perform. I just have to relax and let God be God. Let God be God. Amen? Because we, we are sinful people. Even though we have a heart before God, even though we're, we're washed and made perfect by the blood of Jesus and therefore we can come to God, we still do sin. It's just it's not our identity. It's not who we are at the core. At our core, we're chosen and precious and honoured and can do amazing things. John, in his letter, wrote, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we are sinners. It's just that that's not our constant expectation. We don't want to focus completely on that because what you're looking at is what you become. So if you spend your whole life looking at all the things that you do that's wrong, it's harder to live beyond them. We, we, one, of the, one of the really nasty things about anxiety is that anxiety causes you to reflect on the anxiety which causes you to reflect on the anxiety, which causes to reflect on the anxiety, and you end up in this spiral. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, your mental health is really beginning to struggle. There's lots of people in the world right now who are, whose mental health is not what it, what it could be. You know, it's not what it even was because of the situation that we're in. It's just, we need to admit it. That's fine. And I'm not saying... All that sin, uh, you know, just as a, as a label to condemn people. I'm just saying this is something that Jesus has dealt with. But when we can relax in the truth, we can focus on Jesus. We can focus on what he's done and what the goodness of it is. It's one of the ways you break that cycle. And Jesus is right there in the middle of that cycle, offering you the hand to pull you out. He's not... Well, I'll come back when they've got themselves sorted. He's there to help you. John also wrote just after that, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim, he says this again, he emphasizes it again. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. There is no condemnation that should come from the church because you've been in sin. God is the judge. Okay? But in Christ, that is paid. 
In Christ, that is dealt with, whatever it is. At its core, sin is just not trusting God. Because you're trusting in yourself or you're, uh, or you're trusting in your own ability or perhaps your own lack of ability. But we need to just confess it before God. Why do sometimes people not confess before God? I feel really, I almost wanted to swear then. You know, you can swear before God. He won't get that upset. If that's where you're at, if you're already thinking it, he knows, doesn't he? <laughs> we try and hide these things from God. The reason we don't confess it is because we don't want God to know. <laughs> you come across that a lot. You know, I, well, I, I can't confess it. It's not really that we'd express that out loud, but it's kind of in our odd thinking that if I start talking to God about how I felt like this about this situation, you know, he'll find out all about it. We're treating him like a natural parent. You know, if I tell my dad he's going to be cross, he's going to inflict some kind of punishment. Well, that may be true of a natural father, but God already knows. He chose us before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. You are blameless and holy. That is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Let's read it again. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Is that true of you? If you say no, God's word's not true. It must be yes. It might be shocking, scary, fearful, exciting. This, I don't know what it might be to acknowledge that that must be true, but it is true. You have been chosen. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. You are a good fig in the good fig's bowl. You are holy and you are blameless. Last scripture of the day, or this talk anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 in this holy and blameless state that you're in. He, that's God of course, will keep you strong to the end. That's his, pro that's his promise. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't make you holy and blameless when you got saved and you wandered away from that and now you're in trouble. He made you holy and blameless and then he promises that he will keep you strong to the end and you will be blameless on the day of our Lord. You say, wow, I can't see that because, you know, I've done stuff that is wrong. Yes, but you are blameless because Jesus has dealt with that. All we need to be thinking about What's in my heart? Well, what's in your heart is all the good stuff. All the good things that God has declared over you. That actually is your heart. You have a good heart. 
And if we plug into the truth of what God has done in us, we will be able to live in such a completely different way when whatever is going on around us, because we've got that security of who we are right now, where we are going, and where we will be one day when we die. Even when we die, it's good news. Even when we breathe our last breath, what is next is better than anything that's been before. Even when we close our eyes for that very last time, when we open them again, we will be in something that is so much better. And we will be there because he will keep us strong to the end and we will be blameless then. So if you imagine yourself standing before God, and yes, the ultimate time, I suppose, of that is after Jesus returns or after we die, you will be holy and you will be blameless. And God will be beyond pleased to see you. God bless you, everybody. Listen, have a great week. You have a good heart. See you all soon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.